Well, before we get into what I have for you today, I will ask, as you're able, would you stand with me, please, quickly? And we just want to pray together once again those dangerous prayers that I hope you're starting to pray on a regular basis, a daily basis. We've been talking about them for weeks now, but but want to pray these together for ourselves and for each other. And so together we pray, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, set us on fire for you. Send a revival and start with me. With the very first apostles, then, we pray this. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I wanted to add one more this week. And together we pray with the prophet Habakkuk. Lord, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Father, we ask these things in the mighty name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah and amen. Praise the Lord. You may, you may be seated. Well, last week, Pastor Matt shared with you a message he called, What I Know About the Holy Spirit. And in a nutshell, he really basically shared his simple, straightforward conviction that whatever God says is true, and whatever He promises you is good. And so, by application, that means the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit must therefore be good and be good for you since God offers them to you as a promise. And all that provides a a great transition into the next portion of our study of the Holy Spirit. Most of what we've considered so far has been largely uh, theological and informational. We've talked about who the Holy Spirit is. We've talked about what the Holy Spirit does. And today I want to begin to move our attention more to the practical side of things. Yes, the Holy Spirit's real. Yes, the Holy Spirit is God. Yes, the Holy Spirit is here, present with you, in you right now. But what does that mean for you and your everyday life? And I want to begin addressing that this morning, answering two super practical questions. What does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? And how does that work? And just to offer you an additional resource, if this is a question that you care about, something you've been wondering about, think about, we've got copies of a book called Is That Really You, God, available in the foyer today. A terrific book to help you with this particular subject. It's the story of the founding of Youth, Youth with a Mission, but it really is a primer on how to hear the voice of God, how to respond to the voice of God. It costs us about 10 bucks a piece. If you promise you'll read it, take it and give whatever you can give. Don't, we're not worried about the profitability, but if this is a subject that has meaning for you and you would like an extra resource, I encourage you to check that out in the foyer. Uh, if we run out, we'll, we'll order more. But having said all that, then just to get us focused and moving, will you stand with me, please, once again, in honor of the Word of God, And just to get moving, we're going to read together Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 and verse 25. Galatians 5, 16 through 18 and verse 25. I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, and we'll walk through the passage that way together. Galatians chapter 5, then beginning verse 16, this is what the Bible says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, 
You are not under the law. Dropping down to verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Praise the Lord, you may be seated. Now, I don't know if anybody in the room remembers it or not, but years ago I introduced you to the Greek verb peripateo. Who remembers that? Oh, hallelujah. You're lying. I'm pretty sure of that. That's a, that, uh, uh, it, it literally means to walk around, but by application, it refers to how you conduct yourself or how you live out your life. And so that means what Paul is saying right here in Galatians 5 is, as you go about your daily life, do it in the Holy Spirit. As you go about your daily life, do it led by the Holy Spirit, trusting Him to lead you and guide you day by day, moment by moment. If we live by the Spirit, Paul writes, let's follow the Spirit as well. Now, according to this passage, according to the Apostle Paul in this passage, walking in the Spirit, following the leading of the Holy Spirit is a fundamental way, by the way, to avoid sin. I mean, to be just logical about the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you into something unholy. And according to verse 18, it's a great way to avoid legalism. As you learn to live by spirit, live spirit uh, by the Spirit in line with the Spirit-inspired Word of God. But inherent within these words of the Apostle Paul is the underlying assumption that the Spirit of God is ready is willing and is able to lead you. And that has been the firm conviction of the people of God since the very beginning. In the garden, it was normal to walk with God and commune with Him. And over and over in the Scriptures, we find the Lord our God leading and guiding His people. He led them out of the land of Egypt. He led them into the promised land. In Psalm 32, 8, the Lord promises, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. In Isaiah 30, 21, he promises, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Now, in stark contrast to this, to the God who speaks, to the God who promises to lead and guide his children. In stark contrast to that, we find the Bible regularly mocking false gods in this world and specifically mocking false gods because they do not speak, because they cannot speak, they cannot lead, they cannot guide you. As Psalm 115 declares, our God is in heaven, he does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. Isaiah mocked the muteness of idols, saying, though one cries out to it, it does not answer. It cannot save him from his troubles. But a contrast to this, as we said at the beginning, is that our God is a speaking God. A God who delights in sharing His Word. A God who excels at communication. A God who wants to commune with you and lead you and guide you in your daily life. A God who from the very beginning made communion with His people a fundamental reason for creating them. In fact, as the triune God, one God, three persons... Communication is inherent in the very nature of God. As for all eternity, God himself has been carrying on a conversation within the Godhead. Father communing with the Son, Son communing with the Spirit, Spirit communing with the Father, on and on throughout eternity. 
Communication is inherent in the very nature of God. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself, second person of the Holy Trinity, is God the Word. He's God the Word, the Word who was with God and is God, John 1.2. He's the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. And He is the one who will one day come back, riding on a white horse whose name is the Word of God, Revelation 19, verse 13. Jesus Christ is the Word But what is a word? A word at its most simple understanding is a vehicle for communication. Jesus is the ultimate communication of God. And He is the final proof that communication is fundamental to who God is and what He does. God is a speaking God. And when He sent His Holy Spirit to you, He sent Him to lead you and to guide you in this life. And so, being led by the Spirit of God became the New Testament norm. For example, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Philip was led by the Holy Spirit. As the Bible says, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Peter was led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. The church in Antioch was led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Apostle Paul was led by the Holy Spirit. As we read, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. In a nutshell... What does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? In a nutshell, to be led by the Holy Spirit is to be prompted or instructed or nudged or directed by Him, and then, as Norman was sharing earlier, to respond appropriately to that prompting or nudging or instructing or directing. After all, the Holy Spirit can prompt you to get on the phone and call your brother and check on him, but if you ignore that prompting, Or if you get busy working in the yard and you forget that prompting, you can't say you were led by the Holy Spirit in that particular instance because being led implies following the lead. In other words, being led by the Holy Spirit requires you to hear what He says and then do what you hear. To look and listen for the Spirit's leading and then respond to that leading. To listen and respond. But you do need to understand, and we'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, there is a learning curve, typically, when it comes to learning to walk in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Listen, when you're born... The first time. 
When you're born naturally, you're born with natural ears, designed to hear natural things. But when you're born again, when you're born anew a second time, the new you is born in spirit and is equipped with spiritual ears designed to hear the things of God. But just like there's a learning curve in learning to use your natural ears, and there's a learning curve there. Babies hear noises, but they don't know what they mean. They hear sounds, but they don't know how to respond to them. It takes time and practice to begin to differentiate between sounds and voices. And once they recognize voices, they begin to have to learn to differentiate words and meaning. And so there's growth and there's development in your ability to use your natural ears. And in the same way, just like you have to grow in your ability to hear with your natural ears, you also need to grow in your ability to hear and understand with your spiritual ears. Listen, because our God is a speaking God, we need to be a listening people. When I was first filled with the Holy Spirit, as I told you two weeks ago, I began to to pray in tongues, and that experience for me was profound. If you missed that sharing, it's the message, Holy Spirit, part five, what about tongues? Holy Spirit, come, part five, what about tongues? You can check it out on uh, on the app or on the website. But listen, as profound as that experience was, the most profound thing that happened to me on being filled with the Holy Spirit, the most profound change, that came into my life, is I began to hear the Holy Spirit. I began to recognize Him talking to me. Following the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Bible opened up to me like never before. And I began to experience God in my reading of the Scripture. I began to recognize His voice in other places and in other ways. And suddenly, my walk with God became an actual bona fide walk with God instead of a series of activities that I knew I should do but wasn't necessarily receiving life from them. The change in me was instant, but I had a lot to learn. And one of my immediate prayers on being filled with the Holy Spirit was, Lord, teach me to hear your voice. Lord, teach me to recognize your voice. Lord, teach me how to live by your voice. And in God's grace and in his mercy, he took me on about a five-year journey of learning to discern and and to respond to the voice of God. And in five years, he allowed me to make 25, maybe 30 years worth of mistakes. So let me talk to you for just a little bit this morning about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you a couple of examples from my own journey. But listen, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. The question is, how did he do that? Did he appear in bodily form and take him by the hand? The Bible says the Holy Spirit told Philip, go stand by that chariot. But how did he do that? Did Philip hear an audible voice? The Bible says the Holy Spirit kept Paul and his team from preaching the gospel in the province of Asia. But how did he do that? Did he throw a rope around them and and, and hold them in place? Jesus says the Holy Spirit was given to lead us. But the question is, how does he do that? The truth is, he does that in many ways. 
He can speak through visions. He can speak through dreams. He can speak through prophetic words like he did through the prophet Agabus a couple of times in the book of Acts. But the vast majority of the time, listen to me, the vast majority of the time the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He will speak through impressions, through promptings and nudgings and, 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 and thoughts in your inner man. Thoughts or pictures or sudden understandings that come to you by His inspiration. And that, quite frankly, listen to me, that, quite frankly, is the reason so very few Christians, honestly, are particularly good at being led by the Spirit. My experience is most of them never bothered to learn how to tell the difference between thoughts from the Holy Spirit and thoughts from their own hearts. Oftentimes, Christians will miss the leading of the Holy Spirit because they assume the thoughts or impressions that he gives them are simply their own ideas or imagination. Other times, they'll take their own ideas and imaginations and run off and do something and blame God for the chaos that ensues. Our God is a speaking God, but too often we are not a listening people. Right now, this room in which you are seated, this room is filled with radio waves. Every station within any kind of reasonable distance is right now playing in this room. You can't hear it because you're not tuned in. But if you had a receiver and if you tuned it to the right frequency, you could hear every station that is filling this room right now. It's here. You can't hear it because you're not tuned in. We need to learn to tune in. To the Spirit of God. So I want to close this morning with five quick tips on how to be led. I hope these are practical. How to be led by the Holy Spirit. And tip number one is this. You need to believe the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. This is where it starts. It starts by believing. Believing God is a speaking God and He delights in leading His children. You need to believe that. If you don't believe the Lord speaks today, or if you don't believe he particularly wants to speak to you, you're not terribly likely to hear him because, quite frankly, you won't be listening. Tip number one is believe that God is who he says he is, and that he is a speaking God who delights and intends to lead you. Tip number two, ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Don't just believe it and assume it. Ask, pray, Lord, speak to me. Lord, teach me. To, to hear your voice. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you and then begin to take seriously those thoughts and impressions that come that, that really get your attention. Pay attention to those thoughts or those impressions that you get that kind of stand out from the others. Then take them back to the Lord and ask, Holy Spirit, is that you? You know, I had a thought, maybe, Lord, is that you? Take it back and pray and ask. And, and, and listen, I can't tell you anything more important than this. Commit to work at this. Make this something you work at. Make this something you care about. Make this something you actually intend to do something with. Give attention to it. Tip number three. When it is not unwise, act on the things that might be God. When I committed myself to living by the voice of the Lord, God in His mercy gave me lots and lots of little baby steps. For example, I'll give you a couple of quick examples. For years and years and years, I get hired from time to time by civic organizations and political organizations to come and chair meetings for me, to come and run meetings for them. Many, many, many years ago, uh, I was 
engaged to chair a, a, a big political gathering in Charlotte. And I, as I was leaving my house to go chair this meeting, I had, I had the strong thought, yeah, you ought to take your gavel with you. And, and I immediately said to myself, well, that's crazy. They always have a gavel for me. And I kept trying to walk out the door. Before I could get out the door, that came back again. You ought to take your gavel with you. Now, I had been intentionally thinking, Lord, I want to learn. I want to pay attention to these things. And so I said, okay, whatever. I went and I got my gavel. I took it with me. I went to the meeting. When I got there, the lady who had hired me to run that meeting was in a tizzy. You know why? She forgot to bring a gavel for me. I said, no problem, and whipped one out. On another occasion, I was going to a Charlotte Hornets basketball game uh, with, a, with a guy, a young guy, a friend of mine. It was January. It was bitterly cold. I was uh, walking out of uh, my uh, house uh, to go pick this guy up and go to the game and, and I had this impression, you know, you ought to take your spare car keys. I thought, that's the dumbest thing ever. Why would anybody take two sets of car keys and continue trying to walk out the door? The thought comes again. You ought to take your spare car keys. I'd been doing this for a while now. I said, nah, maybe it's God. Got my spare car keys, put them in my jacket pocket, picked up my friend. We're talking, we're laughing, we're cutting up all the way there. We're driving, we park, we're talking, we're laughing, we're cutting up. We get out of the car, we start walking to the Coliseum. It is bitterly cold. Because it's bitterly cold, I stuff my hands down in my pocket to get them warm, and I suddenly realized my keys are not in my pocket. And, I, and I'll be honest, I, I freaked out for a second. And we kind of hustled back to my car, and, and we got to my car, we found my car locked, the keys in the ignition, and the car still running. I mean, I'd just been talking and cutting up and, and whatnot. And can, you tell, can I tell you how excited I was that I had a spare set of keys in my coat? One more uh, quick story. I was in college. I was ha- house-sitting for some friends. They had a dog, a cat, and a fish. Part of my job was to feed the dog, the cat, and the fish every day. Uh, first or second day I was there, I fed the dog, fed the cat, fed the fish. And I had this thought, you ought to clean that fishbowl. And I'm thinking, they didn't tell me to clean the fishbowl. Fishbowl's fine. It's going to be okay. Next day I feed the dog, I feed the cat, I feed the fish. And the thoughts that come, you really ought to clean that fishbowl. And I'm thinking, these guys are responsible. If the fishbowl needed cleaning, they would have told me to clean the fishbowl. Next day, I feed the dog, I feed the cat, and the fish is dead. <laughs> Floating. I assume choked to death on the filthy uh, water in, in, in the fishbowl that I had not cleaned. I want to tell you, it is important to learn to discern the voice of God and to act on those things that His Spirit prompts you to act on. Now, I said at the beginning of this tip, when it's not unwise, act on these things. And I say that for this reason. I'm going to be honest. Some people get a little nuts with this stuff. They get a little squirrely. They get a little, uh, they get a little, a little crazy. Uh, um, and, uh, uh, and I want to say, especially when you're first getting started, you're going to be wrong a lot. And, and so you want to be wise as you learn and grow in this discipline. Tip number four. And that, that brings me to tip number four. Um, be open to being wrong. The Apostle Paul said, I know in part, I prophesy in part. That was Paul. I don't expect to be better than that. There's this place in the book of uh, Jeremiah where Jeremiah prophesied, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. The next chapter happens, and Jeremiah says, then I knew it was the word of the Lord. I thought, wait a minute. You just said it was going to happen. But he was sure it was the word of the Lord after it happened. If Jeremiah can, can function that way, so can I, so can you. You need to be open to the possibility you might be wrong on occasion. And particularly early on, uh, that's going to happen. 
And so when the Lord took me on this five-year journey, actually, I enrolled. I said, Lord, I want to learn to do this. It became an early habit of mine to go to God and, okay, help me, I don't understand. What was the difference? Between these two times, I thought I heard you and I was right, and these three times, I thought I heard you and I was wrong. And it became my habit to go to the Lord back every time and say, Lord, what's the difference? Help me recognize the difference. Help me to discern between my voice and your voice. And that became a regular part of my practice in learning to hear the voice of the Lord. Tip number five. You need to take this stuff seriously. The Lord God Almighty does not speak to no purpose. And he most certainly does not speak for your entertainment or titillation. This is not a game. This is not frivolous. This is, this is not something about which we should be cavalier or, or, or careless. Now, I know a lot of the examples I just gave, car keys and gavels and whatnot, can sound frivolous. But I'm going to tell you, that was part of a training that I believe the Lord was specifically taking me through. And I promise you, I took it deathly seriously. Those, those items are small. But they had a big impact on me learning to discern the voice of the Lord. And I will tell you this as well. When I saw that fish floating at the top of that fishbowl, the first thought I had in my mind was, this time it was a fish. We need to learn to discern the voice of the Lord. We need to have confidence we can discern the voice of the Lord so we will act on it. Because it is entirely possible the day will come when more than the lives of fish will rest on our ability to get it right. It is never a light thing, nor should you ever casually use the words, the Lord told me. I want to encourage you in that. I I know a lot of people who throw those words around very loosely. But if the Lord tells you that is a holy thing, that, that is an awesome thing, that is a powerful thing. The, the, the word of the Lord shakes the mountains. It shakes the desert. It, it causes trees to shatter and break. The word of the Lord strikes with thunder. If the Lord tells you something, that's a big deal, even if it's as simple as go get your keys. And so we do not want to be casual or cavalier with the words the Lord told me. When I developed the habit of taking these things back to the Lord, saying, Lord, what's the difference? I don't get it. I, 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 I thought I heard you here, and I was right. I thought I heard you here, and I was wrong. As I began to pray through and work through that over a long period of time, I ultimately came to recognize a qualitative difference between thoughts that came from the Holy Spirit and thoughts that came from my own heart. That there was just a quality that I came to be able to distinguish. I learned to recognize basically more and more often, the presence of God on the things he would speak. Now, I was walking through this with some friends. There was a group of us trying to learn this together, and we developed our own vocabulary for it, where we say, you know, the Lord's really, I really think the Lord's on that. I really think I hear the Lord in that. You know, someone would say something, I think I hear the Lord in that. We were learning to discern the presence of God in and on things that we would see or hear. So, Learning to discern the voice of God, learning to hear the voice of God, really became, in large part, learning to discern the presence of God. And there is nothing frivolous or casual about the presence of God. Now, I've got a lot more I want to I talk about in this regard. I'll, I'll, I'll carry out some of the times up here. I'll, I'll carry on some next week. 
Um, we talked recently, and we're going to do another Let's Talk event here in a few weeks where you can ask questions, you can give feedback, you can argue, you can do whatever. We can interact over these things. That will be coming up in a few weeks. We'll set a date for that soon. I hope you can take advantage of that. And as always, I'll be down here after the service if you want to talk uh, about any of these things. But my exhortation to you is the Bible is clear. Believe that God is a speaking God, that he wants to talk to you, that he has sent his spirit to lead and guide you. Believe that. Ask for it. Begin to take it seriously. Act when it is wise to do that. Be open to being wrong and, and, and uh, um, take it seriously as a matter of training because you were created to be led by God. You were created to be his hands and feet in this world, to speak for him and act for him. And to do that, you need to be able to follow him. I beg you, in Jesus' name, make this a part of your commitment as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, as always, uh, for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, your word which is given to us uh, to speak to us, your word which shows us that you are a speaking God, your word that shows that you're not aloof, you're not way out there, up there, over there, somewhere ignoring your people, but you are present with us. You yearn to be present with uh, your people, among your people, acting as our God and us as your people, leading and guiding us moment by moment. Lord, help us to take that seriously. Lord, Lord, bring us through the learning curve. Make us better at discerning the difference between your voice and our own thoughts. And, and, and Lord, prepare us for effective service in your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah and amen.